Hi, I'm Reg Harbeck, and today I'm here with my friend and colleague, Glenn Hanna, who is the director of software engineering at PK, where it happens to own, uh, also own his own uh, Rhode Island-based Navy. Uh, I'm sure that'll come up in our conversation. Welcome, Glenn. Well, welcome. Thank you for having me. So uh, I'd like to start by just getting a sense of how did you end up on the mainframe? Well, I start, you know, back in the eighth grade, like you said before, you know, when I was knee high to a grasshopper. Yes. Uh, you know, I started playing around with BASIC on a deck eight, mm. oh. uh, which was a lot of fun. And then I, when I went to high school, I went to a tech school and we mm. had an IBM 36030 uh, running DOS, not even DOS VSE. Wow. Uh, and you know we learned i was like way ahead of the class i you know i was like give me the give me the manuals and in a way i went reading through tech manuals mm. and you know i was doing cobol and i finished cobol and people are still in like the second and third chapter of cobol and then <laughs> you know rpg and then i'm i'm the only one in the class that actually learned assembler and wow. uh, you know, then I wrote my own supervisor. I'm like, I want my own supervisor. Wow. I asked my parents for money for to buy my own DASDI to put on the 3330s. And I wow. could spin my own volumes on there and did like system programming stuff before it was even a thing. You wow. know, uh, so it was a lot of fun back then. That's how I got into mainframes. And I've been there ever since I was like 14. Wow. That is cool. I, you know, I, I figure I got a connection with the mainframe because I was born the same year that the mainframe was announced, but that's a much deeper connection. I'm really impressed. Yeah. So, uh, and how did you, I, obviously you were already working on the mainframe before you even had a career on the mainframe. How did you proceed from already being a mainframer and already being a sysprog to uh, being a, a professional mainframer? So one of the things at the tech school is this last semester of your senior year, they do job, I mean, uh, last semester of your junior year, they do uh, job placement and they put me at a, a company and I was doing uh, operations type work, you know, running cool machines like the Deculator, the Birdster, car, you know, feeding cards into the reader and stuff just as a computer operator would mounting tapes and such. But, you know, that really isn't where I wanted to be. And I was writing utilities um, in COBOL for the operations department at the company. And then one day I said, you know, there was an opening in application development. And I said, I want to go work in this other group. And so mm. off I went. And, and what started, language were you developing in? COBOL at that time, um, which, you know, I never really liked that language. But No. Oh, that's funny. I, I love COBOL, <laughs> but I love COBOL in the same way that, uh, you know, I, I, I love uh, commercial airplane. You know, it, it's it's nice to fly in a commercial airplane, but it's kind of big and clunky and not the same thing as personal travel. And the same thing with COBOL. It gets results. I love that. But I'd rather write Rex. But, yeah. but I also like Assembler. And I sense that you might like Assembler even more than I do. Is that a fair guess? Um, I like Assembler. Um, I like C better than Assembler. Oh. I learned C later in life, but I, oh. I like C better than Assembler. Do you write PLS? Um, I did uh, some PLX debugging when I worked at IBM. Ah, okay. So uh, we haven't got to that place yet. So you spent some time at IBM. So, okay, let's go back to your COBOL programmer and somehow you got to IBM. How did that happen? So I was working for a company called Affiliated Computer Services out in Dearborn, Michigan, mm -hmm. and they were closing the facility. And one day I got a call from a recruiter who says, hey, 
We're looking for somebody that can install back then, and I think it was OS. It was wasn't even OS three ninety. I think it was uh, ESA. Somebody who can oh. do operating system upgrades and you know install third party program products and all this other stuff. And um, so I asked the recruiter some questions, and um, he would said, "Well, that's not how it works. You got to send your resume, and then we you know properly replace people." And so I told him exactly what I did. And he says, I got the perfect job for you. And by that afternoon, I was holding tickets to fly to Massachusetts to work for IBM out of Waltham. Wow. And um, I said to my boss, I said, I won't be in tomorrow. I have a family emergency and left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I'm, I'm making a mental note of the geography in my mind because, of course, you started out near the Great Lakes and suddenly you're not that far from Rhode Island. And of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, you've got a, a really interesting Rhode Island connection. So is this when the Rhode Island connection began or did that happen later? Uh, that happened uh, much later because I, I was in Massachusetts and I grew up in Massachusetts and ended up okay. in, in Michigan um, and then mm-hmm. ended up back in Massachusetts. And then, then I'm in Rhode Island in the summers and Florida in the winters because I oh, love okay. the cold weather. Uh you know, as as a fellow mainframer, of course, you know, I, you could be anywhere from 40 to 200 years old and still be working on the mainframe. So, well, I guess maybe not 200, probably people at 200 would have found another career because the mainframe's only 60. But that said, um, you know, it's, retirement's not sort of something we talk about. And so you, you're sort of moving back and forth between all these popular places. But as somebody who's still active on the mainframe, I get a kick out of that. But maybe if we can start then back with IBM and, and uh, how do you proceed and see if we can find our way to the Rhode Island connection. All right, so I, I was working uh, at IBM, and mm-hmm. um, I had a house in Massachusetts, and okay. um, I eventually I bought a boat. And once I bought the boat, um, mm-hmm. the boat was in uh, in Rhode Island. I put it in Rhode Island because it, they got more shoreline than anywhere else, you know, for oh. such a small state, you know. And um, and I and I liked the area, you know. It's like when I lived in Dearborn, Michigan, everything was like a five minute ride to something, you know, mm-hmm. all this, every, any type of store you wanted to go to or people you wanted to go, my friends, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're all, all close by. So it was like small. And then in Massachusetts, I seemed like I was driving, you know, far to mm-hmm. go to places, you know? So I got, I came and I checked out several different marinas down in Rhode Island and I picked the one that I'm at um, it's got a restaurant on site. It's got a you know swimming pool and a bunch of great people that I'm all friends with now, and uh, and so I, I liked it here. And so I was you know I was working you know at IBM for many years. I started you know doing operating system upgrades before I ended up in Jazz Level Two, and from there I um, you know was working from home. And I'm like, you know, I could stay on the boat in the summertime and not oh, yeah. actually go home. So I said, okay, I don't so know. Wait, 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 wait. I got to ask you, have you done 3270 from your boat as part of your work? Oh, I do that all the time. Oh, how cool. So uh, so I, I, I'm like, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to like being on the boat full time. So I figured uh-huh. I'd give it a try. So mm-hmm. I spent the entire summer on the boat. And at first I wasn't, you know, sure. There's, during the week, there's like nobody there. But mm-hmm. then your friends start to know that you're there. 
And so they'll, you know, you'll get a call at say, you know, six o'clock at night or four in the afternoon. Hey, I'm coming in. I was wondering if you could give me a hand with the my lines as I come in. Yeah. I'm like, sure, you know, I'll be right there. And you run down to the, to the, you know, their slip and grab their lines and help them tie up their boat, which is, you know, which is nice to, for them, you know, that I'm there. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I was there for a while. Um, I did two summers like that. And I'm paying all this money for a house that I'm only in for four months out of the year, really. And I'm like, I don't really know if I need this house, you know, because I really don't yeah. like the cold weather anyways. I want to be in Florida in the winter. So mm -hmm. um, I decided I was going to sell the house. And then I okay. lived on the boat all summer long, which was which was really mm -hmm. nice, you know. Uh, internet was challenging at first. Um mm -hmm. I complained to the marina that their internet was terrible. Um, it was mm -hmm. almost as bad as dial-up speed. Oh. And then they then they put this thing in my boat to give me faster internet. And so this should work better. That worked one year. And then another company came in and bought the company. And so my internet connection then went back to being the same crap it was before. Oh. So then I decided I would try the T-Mobile hotspot, which worked okay nice. um, for a bit. And then... Um, and Starlink came about, and I put Starlink oh. on the boat, and I get you know great speeds. You know, sometimes it's over you know, about two fifty in, and it's constantly like thirty to fifty out. And I'm like, this is all I need to do thirty to seventy work. Well, you can do that on the water too, can't you? Yeah, I could if I went and you know tied up somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could yeah. do that. <laughs> I guess if you're not anchored somewhere, you don't want to be sitting down doing thirty to seventy, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying, is that a boat ahead? Wait, wait. I got an advent. <laughs> yeah, I break too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that is that is cool. So basically, uh, you've been living on and working from a boat uh, for for most of your mainframe career. It sounds like. Uh, no, that's only been like a few years. Um, oh, okay. Probably six, seven years for it. Okay. Um, I've only owned oh, the so boat since thirteen. Okay, so back when you hosted a, a bunch of people at Share. Uh, in Providence, that was around the time you started living full time on the boat. Then uh, that was 2017. I don't think I I was living summers on the boat at that time. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. I still so had my house. Still with IBM then? Uh, no, I got laid off from IBM in 2012. Okay, and so you've been with IBM for a fair amount of time at that point. Correct. It was 15, almost 15 years. I was a few months short of 15 years. Wow. Hey, that's exactly that. That reminds me of the, the large software company I used to work for. I was just a, uh, in the same position. Uh, didn't quite get my 15-year watch. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't get the 15-year watch, and I was short two, uh, two more weeks of severance back. <laughs> Oh, because, so I got 28 weeks versus, you know, 30 weeks. Ouch. Hey, that. So that said, what did you do? Uh, what would you do next once you left uh, good old Big Blue? I went to work for CA. Oh, hey, that's right. You and I were there at the same time, weren't we? Yeah, was it CA? No, I went to work at TJX first. Um, oh, okay, maybe no. Actually, maybe you joined CA after I left them. So I'm, I I'm giving away a little too much information here, but anyway. Yeah. So in in twenty, that would be twenty twelve. I joined TJX companies. They interviewed okay. me for a project manager manager position, and then when I got there, um, they told me I was going to be doing um, CICS and MQ support. Mm. 
And I'm like, that's not what I interviewed for. And it's not really what I want to do. I'm a COS systems programmer. If you want to go down that route or I'm an app, uh, you know, you know, a system software developer, uh, if you want to go down that, you know, down that route. So uh, I was there for about a year and a half and then went to work for CA in 20. No, actually, my dates are all over the place. You might have to edit this. Uh, so no, no, no worries. It's, it, this isn't a textbook. <laughs> yeah. So it was 2010. I got laid off from uh, from IBM. Went to work for TJX. I left there in 2012. Went to work for CA. Okay. okay cool. So now, um, uh, so you started out doing uh, MQ and uh, and Kix. Was that right? TJX or that was at CA that you're doing that, right? Then you that was that to, that was at that was at TJX. It's not what I oh, wanted okay. to do. So that I, uh, when a development opportunity appeared at uh, CA, I went and snatched that. Okay. And so what product area were you working on there? I was working on the mainframe application tuner product, also known oh, as... Oh, one of the new ones. Yeah, that they acquired from another company. Right. Now, was that one written uh, in any assembler or was that mostly in other uh, languages? That was all assembler. Nice. So you got to exercise your assembler muscles. Yes, and 64-bit instructions as well. Oh, like, wow. This is fun. 64-bit. I said, yeah. read about these. I haven't coded any yet, but I got to, got to code the 64-bit instructions, which was nice. Cool. Now, what was the most interesting 64-bit instruction you got to code? Well, the one that, you know, is really interesting is the PLO instruction. Um which is almost like a compare and swap. It's a super compare and swap. Yeah. And IBM had moved something above the line or above the, the bar. bar. I th- yeah, I think oh, it might have been above. I don't remember exactly. But you, they had the address in three different fields, and you had to assemble it. And you, oh, wow. so you, you would use the PLO instruction to do it. So I learned. I, I spent, you know, PLO is a whole chapter in the principles of ops. So I, I, oh, I had really? to read all about it. It took me a week to actually understand how the damn thing worked. Wow. And then, then my manager says, well, now that you know how that works, why don't you give us a, you know, a demo, you know, give us a little overview class, you know, so other people cool. know how it works. So I had to do that. Very cool. So now you were at CA for a while, but at some point you ended up with your current company. Uh, what, what sort of oh. interesting things happened during that journey? Uh, so there was another company in between. So uh, I I left there um, because they told me they're eliminating all the jobs out of the Framingham office and uh, they're moving them to Czech Republic. Oh, Prague. yeah. So where all the sysprogs are. <laughs> so I'm like, well, you know, I'm not really sure I want to go to Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my coworkers left and she went to 21st. And it was kind of interesting because I, you know, uh, one of the guys that, uh, that she worked for called me for a reference and we just started talking. And um, so, you know, he says, well, you know, we closed the conversation with if you ever, you know, want to find, a, you know, another job and want to come here, you know, just let me know. We'd be very interested. So, you know, I know the Framingham office is closing and I've, with, with my experience, uh, mm-hmm. not that this is the same for everybody who left IBM, but if you ever worked at IBM and you leave, 
-hmm. it's usually easier to find a job somewhere else because they go, yeah. oh, the IBM it's a guy. Breach. Yeah, I like to say that IBM's least appreciated and most valuable product is ex-IBMers. Yeah, right, exactly. So I figured, you know, I, I have plenty of time to find another job. I will try to find jobs for some of my other coworkers. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, had noticed there was a call, uh, I mean, a, a position that was open uh, at 21st. So I started, you know, just asking questions you know it was, i was like interviewing the boss um but he said do you mind talking to rebecca i'm like i don't care you know i'll talk to anybody you know so i talked to rebecca and she offered me a job and so i thought mm -hmm. about it for a little bit saying do i really want to leave now um mm -hmm. i decided i would take it and then i went to work at 21st and worked there for a little bit but I had the opportunity at PK where to be the uh, director. Um, mm. So I, I would be the manager, the architect, and get to design stuff and build stuff from the ground up, uh, which was a really great career opportunity for me yeah. uh, versus yeah. just being a developer, you know, working on code that's been ex in existence for 20 mm. years, just adding little features here and there. So, now I got I got to take a bit of a, a side trip to PKware because I've known about PKware much of my technical life, but it's only when you showed up that I discovered they were also a mainframe company. How was that? So PKware, um, you know, Phil Cat started the company. Everybody knows PK Zip and Unzip for the PC yeah. Uh, yeah. command line program type thing, and then. Um, Somehow or other, there was a company, uh, I forget where it was, I think it was called Target 4. Um, I don't know the whole history, but they had a product that was similar, and they were writing the code under the direction of, of PKWare. And I probably don't have these facts right. Uh, but um, eventually, we wanted the code back, but they wouldn't give it to us. So we started, hired a bunch of people at PKWare, what saw well before my time, and we developed the product um, from scratch hmm. uh, and created the zip and unzip product. And we put a lot of other stuff in it too. Like you can do encryption, field level encryption. Um, there's a lot of, you know, security type stuff. And we handle various different file formats like PGP and, and others with that. And then we have a new product that we've been working on the last couple of years that's being released in beta. Um, that what I was working on... <laughs> For the UI, when you had uh, said, "Hey, you joining?" and uh, so mm. here I am. Cool. So um, <clears throat> we had a really good conversation here, and I think we could keep going. But since we've been at it for a little bit of time here, maybe this is a good time to, to start winding down. But I, I really want to make sure I've got everything you had to to, to share with us. Is there anything else you had in mind that you sort of wanted to tell everybody about, either from your journey or? Or observing uh, the mainframe, or especially if you can maybe tell us how how you see the future of the mainframe, if you have anything to say about it. Um, well, I think the mainframe is going to be around for a long time. Um, you know, it may not be running ZOS as we know it today, um, or it may be running ZOS, but I think Linux is going to start taking over soon and running Linux on Z um, in LPARs. Um, we're getting a new Z16 next year. And I already laid out all the LPARs, and I was talking to our sysprog, and I said, I want you to create four Linux LPARs. 
And he asked, you don't want those running under ZVM? And I'm like, no, I want four Linux native LPARs. Mm. So that's what we're going to so do. They're, they're not running on a hypervisor at all. They're just directly on top of LPAR. Just a straight LPAR running, probably run Red Hat. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, that, that's especially interesting because uh, Red Hat is sort of the company that effectively acquired IBM. I mean, everybody assumed it was the other way around, but if you take a look, you know, and so it's it's sort of neat to see that 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 synergy they've got that sort of just immediately was implicit on the mainframe uh, showing up in other parts of the mainframe ecosystem as well. Yeah. So I think that's what's going to happen. You're going to see more and more native Linux and uh, LPARs and environments, Linux one type things on the mainframe. <laughs> And, you know, you can also then start running containers. I think containers are going to start taking off soon mm. on on Z, which is just Linux running on top of Z mm -hmm. in, a, in yeah. an initiator. So, um, and we're going to be exploiting that technology. Cool. So, very cool. Well, I think Glenn, it's going to be around been... for a while. Excellent. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I really have enjoyed this opportunity to get to know you better. And, and uh, it's been a fun journey you've been on. Uh, and certain fun to know you as well. So thank you so much for this. Oh, you're quite welcome. And thank you. You bet. So I'll be back with another podcast next month. But in the meantime, check out the other content on Tech Channel. You can also subscribe to their weekly newsletters, webinars, ebooks, solutions directory, and more on the subscription page. I'm Reg Harbeck.